0: Welcome to the Northbridge Church podcast, a weekly rewind of Sunday's talk. They're exiting. I, I was, Pastor John and I are talking. It's been wonderful having our, our children with us in worship, and so. It just adds a different dynamic uh, to our worship experience and uh, maybe it's something we can work on and talk about uh, doing more often in the, in the days to come. Well, some of you may be wondering, why in the world did we choose this series instead of actually doing a, a, a true all-out Christmas-themed uh, series right before Christmas? And I think I mentioned it in my prayer that in order for us to understand um, what Christmas is all about. that yes, it's about 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 God's gift coming to us in the form of a babe, but, but there's so much more um, to the good news. Um, that's just the beginning. And we need to catch a glimpse of of what Jesus is and what He has accomplished and and what He has proclaimed himself to be in order for us to truly grasp and appreciate and celebrate all that the joy that Christmas brings to us. In the past uh, six weeks or so, we've been talking about these encounters that Jesus has with individuals as recorded in the gospel. And that is where we find the, the true reason, the, the reason behind Christmas, the, the meaning behind Christmas. It's in these encounters that Jesus had with individuals because as he's encountering these individuals with their own unique set of needs and circumstances, we also find ourselves um, in the same shoes as these people are. Um, It was with John the Baptist we find out that Jesus is better than all of our greatest disappointments in life. In Zacchaeus, we find a a Savior who says, "I, I came to seek and save those who were Lost and far, far from God. In the prostitute, we, we see Jesus extending love and mercy and absolute forgiveness to a woman who, who laid his feet broken in her sin. We see in the demonic man, we, we, see, we see Jesus restoring a man who is who many people would have given up on in life. But when he came to Jesus and fell at his feet, Jesus rescued him. We see in the, in the lepers, at least we see in the one leper who came back, we see the, the gratitude and, and the faith in Jesus led to his salvation. We, we remember last week as, as Pastor Tony was talking to us about the woman who extended her hand just to touch that little shawl around his neck. And, and that act of faith not only healed her, but set her free spiritually. And so these encounters that we, we've been reading at, they all had this, this common thread, and it's an underlying thread. It's not, it's not shouting at us on the pages and the words of these encounters, but here it is. These people believed that Jesus was better still. He was better than, than their disappointments. He was better than their circumstances. He was better than their lostness. And that's what makes Christmas even more special to us. That Jesus can meet us right where we're at and give us hope. This morning, that that theme is is there, Is Jesus Better? It's more pronounced in our encounter this morning, but it had a different outcome. The previous six, they they, they reached out for Christ and and Christ met them and, and and their hope was restored. But in today's conversation, it, it went a, a different way. In, math, in Mark chapter 10, Jesus has an encounter with a man. And Jesus' promise to this man was this. You give, me, you give me your life, and I will give you something better in exchange. And this man could not see that what Jesus was offering him was a better deal than what he came to Jesus with. Now, I'm, I'm, old, I'm old school in many, many ways, um, but there are times in my life that I just have to upgrade to something better. And it's been a while since I've had, I have my old little iPhone over here, and and, uh, and, and some of you, you guys, the moment that the new iPhone comes out, you are in line, you're grabbing it, uh, you're, you're excited about it. But for me, it just takes me some time just to Warm up to these new technologies, and uh, but I'm at the point now that I'm ready for an upgrade in my life, an upgrade in my phone. So what I do, I went to Apple, and I looked at the, the prices for those iPhones, and I thought, okay, I can give it a kidney for the new phone. You know what I mean? It's so expensive, and I was like, man, there's no way that I can afford these phones. And so I sp- I continued to scroll down through the Apple uh, website. And I came to this, this thing that said, which wasn't there four years ago, um, to my knowledge, was you can exchange your old iPhone for a, a lower price of the new iPhone. Do you guys, you guys have met that deal yet? And that really excited me because in the end, I'm a little miser. I mean, I, I, I count my pennies, and, and my goodness, if I can get a better deal, I, I'm in it. I'm in for it. And so that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to upgrade to a better phone But I have to give up my old phone for something better. And this is what Jesus is doing with this man today. He's saying, you've got to give up what you think is the best. But in reality, it's not the best. I'm here to give you a better deal spiritually than whatever you're bringing to the table. And this is how it goes in verse 17 of, of Mark chapter 10. Jesus says, or it says, as he, meaning Jesus, was setting out on a journey, a man ran up to him and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what shall I do so that I may have eternal life? What shall I do in order for me to have eternal life? Now, Matthew and and Luke also record this this encounter with Jesus. And so anytime you have three gospel writers um, honing in on the same uh, uh, incident, you have to be begin to think, what is God trying to get our attention at? Because I believe this man represents uh, not hundreds, not thousands, but I believe billions of people this man represents. This need, this ongoing need to to figure out what is the truth behind life, Right? And so Matthew and Luke, they they give a better description than Mark does of this man. They say that this man is is rich and he's young and he's a spiritual leader in his local synagogue. And as Jesus is walking through this town, um, I'm sure everyone knew who this man was When this man, it says he runs to Jesus. This man needs to have an audience with Jesus. What was on his heart mattered so much to him that he literally ran to Jesus and this is what was on his heart I need to settle the issue am I truly going to heaven? and so you would think that this man because he he has he has a total package right I mean every every man in his town probably wanted to be be like be him. Every woman in that town probably wanted to marry this man. He came with everything. But yet his heart was in turmoil. All the wealth that he had accumulated left him wanting more. Um, All the religion that he studied and all the conversations he had about religiosity and about God and about theology of his day, it still left him wanting more. And he wanted Jesus to settle what the craving of his heart was about, what the turmoil that was going on in his heart, he wanted Jesus to solve it for him. And for whatever he knew about Jesus, he knew that he could get an honest um, response from him. What must I do to inherit eternal life? In fact, that question is a question that we all have to answer. What must I do in order for me to go to heaven? What is there after this physical this life is over? What must I do to inherit eternal life? I believe he wanted Jesus to just give him the assurance that he was on the right path. I believe he wanted Jesus to give him the assurance that what he was doing was acceptable to God. You see, I believe he came to Jesus because he knew that he was a religious man. He knew that he did his very best to honor God. But even in his religiosity, like I said before, it left him more perplexed than assured. We all go through that in times when we, we have to make a, a really massive decision, and we're like 90% sure that this is the right choice. We, make, we, we think about it. We mull over it. Yes, this is what I need to do. However, there is just that 10% window of uncertainty. So what do we do? We usually go to someone that we trust. We say, hey, let me just bounce this idea. Let me just let you know what I'm thinking about doing, and you tell me if I'm on track or not. And so you tell them the story and they're like, yes, go for it. That's the best idea. You really are wanting them to say, okay, we agree with you. You are making the right call for your life. That's what it means to get a second opinion. And he thought Jesus was going to do that for him. And he thought Jesus was just going to say, yes, you are on the right track. Keep it up, buddy. 100%. You know, you're in it with God. You and God are just like best buds. But Jesus kind of turns uh, the, the story on him. He gives him a, a different um, outcome, a, a different outlook on, on really what's going on in his heart. Because, you know, we can fool one another, but Jesus, the Son of God, we can't fool because he knows everything about us. He knows what's going on in our hearts. And so in, in verses 18 to 22, Jesus, his response to him, it really gets at really what is bothering this man. He says in verse 18, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, do not defraud, honor your father and your mother. And he said to him, teacher, I have kept all these things from my youth. And looking at him, Jesus loved him. And said to him, One thing you lack, go and sell all you possess and give it to the poor. And you will have treasures in heaven. And come, follow me. But he was deeply dismayed by these words and he went away grieving. Wow. It's stunning to me. This man who had it all together, he went away grieving. For he was one who owned much property. At first, this man was excited at the prospect that that Jesus was going to affirm that his goodness, his self-righteousness, his moral superiority was what God was really after. That all that God wanted was conformity. All that God wanted was him to was to obey a set of rules. And he's in. And Jesus said that is something that is so far from the truth. And this is what I love. You know the commandments. Jesus is like, I know you know. And what this man didn't know is that Jesus was, was setting him up. He didn't see the right hook of that question coming at him. Because in the end, Jesus is not about playing games with us. He's not about being manipulated by us. He wants our hearts. And he will go after it ruthlessly. And honestly. And with tremendous love towards us. The issue that would keep him from gaining heaven was not his ability to be a religious man. You see, that was the veneer. That was what the the, the outward um, thing was all about for him, the outward appearance. I love God because I do all these things. and God and I are okay with one another because I do all these things. I've kept all these rules. And Jesus was telling him, no, 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 there's something more To your story. There's more than you keeping a set of rules that that is really causing your soul to be in turmoil. Listen, this man would never have run up to Jesus unless this had not been eating at him for some time. The more that he pursued rules, the more he pursued religion, just left him with more questions than, than satisfaction. And usually that is what religion without Christ does. And that is what a life with, with Jesus plus something else in your life, for those of us who are followers of Christ, it leaves us wanting more because it's just, it's just Jesus in the end. And Jesus says, this is what's going to keep you from heaven. And here it is. Um, you are a self-made man. In the end, you don't need God. You believe that God needs you. And Jesus was telling this young man that, that, you know what? God doesn't need you. God doesn't need to make a deal with you. Here's what you have to do in order to inherit eternal life. So all you have. Because that's where his treasure was. His treasure was was in in what he had accumulated. It wasn't religion, it was his wealth. It was his possessions. It was his, his property. He was a self-made man. And what Jesus was inviting him to, and Jesus was inviting him to a life that was far, far better than his wealth could ever give him. And he couldn't see it. So this is what my mind, this is what I think he's picturing. He's looking around those, those 11 or 12 men who had gathered around Jesus and he's seeing them in their state of being. They they're poor men. They were uneducated men wandering around (laughs) Israel following this teacher. And he's looking at them going, I got to give up all my splendor and all my wealth and all my luxury and all all that I find comfort to walk around and, and be poor. He couldn't see the evidence that Jesus was bringing to him that there was more to life. And what was holding him back was his greed, was his self-centeredness. What this man didn't understand was that he was in bondage. He was not a free man. There was something in his heart that all of his wealth could not purchase. So Jesus gives him the the gospel in a nutshell. If you want to be saved, and, and Jesus says this, and if you want to be saved, there's two things that need to happen. If you want to Come to faith in Jesus Christ. There's two things that need to happen. If you want to be born again, there are two things that must be heaven. If you want to inherit eternal life, there's two things that must be present. The first is that you must trust in Jesus. That's what Jesus meant to this, when he said to this uh, rich young ruler, so everything you have in come, follow me. Come follow me. In other words, Jesus is saying, I am who, who, who you've been looking for. I am the Savior of the world. I, I am everything that you need in life. Trust in me. Believe in me. Follow me. And here's the second aspect of salvation. The second aspect of salvation is he calls all of us into repentance. In other words, we don't come to God on our own terms. We must be willing to surrender our old hearts, our old ways, what the things that we rely upon for hope in our life. And we must must surrender them all to Jesus in exchange for his hope, in exchange for his salvation, in exchange for his love, in exchange for his forgiveness, in exchange for his fullness of life. You see, when Jesus says you come to me like that in repentance and in faith, I will give you much, much more than what this world can ever give you. And that is a promise that Jesus took with him to the cross. You must be willing to die to self-rule. Because Jesus was telling this rich young ruler, I'm not about to compete. I'm not about to compete with your religion. I'm not about to compete with your wealth. I'm not about to compete with your influence. Are you willing to die to yourself? And if you're here this morning and you have yet to give your life to Jesus Christ, that is a great question for you to answer. Are you ready to die to yourself? Are you ready for your self-rule? End and give Jesus control of it. Well, the man went away sad. In fact, it says that he went away grieving because he knew Jesus was right. Jesus had had found him out. He had lied to himself for so long that even he had deluded himself until, until Jesus kind of you know rocked his world and woke him up. and said, so this is the true condition of your heart. He could not imagine life better than knowing Jesus. I, I've, I've witnessed a scene, believe it or not, I've witnessed a scene on more than one occasion in my life where I've presented the gospel to someone. And it's not that they were not ready for it, but they couldn't, they couldn't grasp this this belief that there was something better in store for them than what they had lived and what they were experiencing life up until that point. I remember a particular man telling me one time that what I was asking for was, was more than, than what he wanted to be a part of. And it wasn't that, I was, that it was about me and about what I was demanding. I was simply just walking them through the gospel story. And he concluded that what Jesus was asking for was was more than what he wanted to to give away. And I think there's that tension about this story. You know, and maybe about all these encounters that we've been going through for the past six weeks, that we don't know the end story on most of these people. We don't know, um, you know, there was never a sequel. What happened, you know? What happened to these, these people? What do they do with their, once they encounter Jesus? For this man, we don't know if he ever came back. We don't know if he, he walked away grieving, but he came to his senses and said, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to give everything up and follow Jesus. We just don't know. There's that tension of the unknown. But in that moment, he just couldn't do it. So Jesus gives an explanation to his disciples. His disciples are stunned. His disciples are stunned, not that the fact that this man walked away, his disciples were stunned because Jesus says, Jesus said, You can't equate your wealth with God being pleased with you. And in verse 23, Jesus kind of turns to his disciples and he says, Now, how hard it will be for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed, stunned in our terminology at his words but Jesus responded again and said to them children how hard it is to enter the kingdom of god it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of god and they were even more astonished well i mean their jaws had just hit the ground what in the world's craziness and he said and said to him then who can be saved i mean i mean if this man who has the entire package right can't be saved, and then who can be saved? And and looking at them, Jesus said, with people it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. Jesus says, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. And that is so true. We think, oh, it's easy peasy stuff. Everyone wants to come to know Jesus. No, no. Not everyone is interested in doing it God's way. And so it is hard. It is hard when you, wanna, when you don't want to give up everything to receive Christ. It is hard when you come to the, to the table wanting to do bargains with God. It is hard when you want to do, do salvation and Christianity your way instead of what God says is the true way. You see, for the educated, it's it's very hard for the educated to believe that there is just only one way of salvation, that is through Jesus. For the prideful to believe that they need a Savior, it's very hard for them. It's very hard for a driven person because they have more important things to pursue in life than, than God. The way of salvation is hard because it exposes what we treasure, what we value the most in life. And so it gives us a pause this morning to ask this question. Do we believe that Jesus is better? For you who may be here this morning or online and, 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 you, have, and you have yet to give your life to Jesus, the question is before you this morning, is Jesus better than anything you can ever experience in life? And for the Christian this morning, it's still the same question. Is Jesus better than anything else you have pursued in life? Because we still have this wandering of the heart as Christians that, that sometimes we wander away. Sometimes we add things to Christ. Sometimes we, we put possessions and, and opportunities and lifestyles and wants ahead of our, our, our need for Christ in our life. Are what you're pursuing, Christian, Or what you're pursuing in your life and what you have made number one in your life, is it truly better than Jesus? Is there something more important to you, Christian, than Jesus? Who then can be saved? Oh, I, I love the paradox in verse 27 with people. Jesus says, with people, it's impossible. But God, with God, God will make a way. For those who are interested in salvation, for those who want Jesus, God will make a way. And that is wonderful good news for us. That God isn't staying in our way. <laughs> God wants to make a way, but we've got to do it on his terms. We've seen it throughout the past six weeks. We, we saw the prostitute who wept at his, fe- at his feet, her faith in salvation made it possible. For Zacchaeus, he gave away all of his treasures, and he came to faith in Christ. For the demoniac, all he did was cry out to Jesus, and Jesus made it possible for him to be saved. Um, for the man who came back, healed from the leprosy, his heart of gratitude, Jesus made made the opportunity for him to be saved. For the woman who reached out and grabbed a hold of the shawl of Jesus, God made a way for her to be saved. He made it possible, and he will make it possible for you as well. Just trust in him. In John chapter 3, a man came to Jesus with the exact same question this man, this rich young ruler, came to Jesus about. In John chapter 3, he was a religious leader. He was a religious man, just like this rich young ruler. He was rich, just like this rich young ruler. He was old, not like this rich young ruler. But he had studied more, Talked about God more than this young man could ever experience at that stage of his life. And he came to Jesus and he says, I'm at a place. I don't know what to do with you. I believe there's something more to you. And Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, Nicodemus, unless one is born again, he cannot come and experience or see the kingdom of God. And Jesus says, here is the hope we have. And it's found in in John 3.16 and and 3.17. It's a great, great verses, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, will not die spiritually, but have eternal life. For God did not send the son into the world to judge the world, but so that the world might be saved through him. So the babe in the manger, God sent him so that you, you might be saved through him. That is the joy. That is the hope. That is the good news of Christmas. What is impossible with you. What is impossible with religion. It's possible with God. God has made a way for us through Jesus Christ. Do you believe in him today? Would you be willing to repent and turn back to him today? Do you believe Jesus is better? If so, repent and trust in Christ as your savior. Christian, if Jesus is better, repent. Repent for those things that you have pursued far greater than him. Repent and turn back to Jesus. For this is the good news that God has made a way for us. And his name is Jesus. Would you pray with me? Father, we come before you today. And Lord, for me, I just I stand more and more and more in awe of, of what you have given us through Jesus Christ. We praise you for being the way maker. We praise you, Father, for being what we sing sometimes as the one who creates miracles in our life. The miracle of salvation is the greatest miracle you have ever come up with. A miracle that, Lord, is not not just for a few, but it's it's offered to all. And, Father, we just come before you this morning and we stand in awe of your salvation. Um, Lord, we are grateful for your son, Jesus. We're grateful for the healing he has brought into our life. We're grateful for um, the soul satisfaction he has given us. Your word says that while we were yet dead in our sins, Christ died for us. We thank you, Lord, for not only the babe in the manger, but we also thank you, Lord, for the cross. And we thank you not only for the babe in the manger and the cross, but we thank you also for the empty tomb. In Christ is our hope. And so, Father, for those who are here this morning or listening online, um, whose hearts are are very open to Jesus, I pray that you'd give them the courage to follow through, to repent of their sins, and to trust in you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Northbridge Church Podcast. If you'd like more information about Northbridge Church, you can find us online at mynorthbridge.org.